Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BBJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm Big Boys Jay, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories just for you. Links to all the stories can be found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a buy me a coffee link in every post. Tonight we continue our story, The Wind in the Willows, by Kenneth Graham. Oh, ratty, he cried dismally. Why ever did I do it? Why did I bring you to this poor, cold little place on a night like this, when you might have been at Riverbank by this time, toasting your toes before a blazing fire with all your own nice things about you? The rat paid no heed to his doleful self-reproaches. He was running there and here, opening doors, inspecting rooms and cupboards, and lighting lamps and candles, and sticking them up everywhere. What a capital little house this is, he called out cheerily. So compact, so well planned. Everything here and everything in its place. We'll make a jolly night of it. The first thing we want is a good fire. I'll see to that. I always know where to find things. So this is the parlor. Splendid. Your own idea, these little sleeping bunks in the wall? Capital. Now, I'll fetch the wood and the coals, and you get a duster mold. You'll find one in the drawer of the kitchen table. And try and smarten things up a bit. Bustle about, old chap. Encouraged by his inspiring companion, the mole roused himself and dusted and polished with energy and hardiness while the rat, running to and fro with armfuls of fuel, soon had a cheerful blaze roaring up the chimney. He hailed the mole to come over and warm himself, but mole promptly had another fit of the blues. Dropping down on a couch in dark despair and burying his face in his duster. Rat, he moaned, how about your supper? You poor, cold, hungry, weary animal. I've nothing to give you, nothing. Not a crumb. What a fellow you are for giving in, said the rat reproachfully. Why, only just now I saw a sardine opener on the kitchen dresser quite distinctly, and everybody knows that means there are sardines about somewhere in the neighborhood. Rouse yourself, pull yourself together, and come with me and forage. They went and foraged accordingly, hunting through every cupboard and turning out every drawer. The result was not so very depressing after all, though of course it might have been better. A tin of sardines, a box of captain's biscuits, nearly full, and a German sausage encased in silver paper. There's a banquet for you, observed the rat as he arranged the table. I know some animals who would give their ears to be sitting down to supper with us tonight. No bread, groaned the mole deloriously. No butter, no no pâté de foie gras, no champagne, continued the rat, grinning. And that reminds me, what's that little door at the end of the passage? Your cellar, of course. Every luxury in this house. Just you wait a minute. He made for the cellar door and presently reappeared, somewhat dusty, 
with a bottle of beer in each paw and another under each arm. Self-indulgent beggar, you seem to be more, he observed. Deny yourself nothing. This is really the jolliest little place I ever was in. Now, wherever did you pick up those prints? Make the place look so home-like they do. No wonder you're so fond of it, Mole. Tell us all about it, and how you came to make it what it is. Then, while the rat busied himself fetching plates and knives and forks, and mustard which he mixed in an egg cup, the Mole, his bosom still heaving with the stress of his recent emotion, related, somewhat shyly at first, but with more freedom, as he warmed to a subject, how this was planned, and how that was thought out, and how this was got through a windfall from an aunt, and that was a wonderful find and a bargain, and this other thing was bought out of laborious savings and a certain amount of going without. His spirits finally quite restored, he must needs go and caress his possessions, and take a lamp and show off their points to his visitor and expatiate on them, quite forgetful of the supper they both so much needed. Rat, who was desperately hungry, but strove to conceal it, nodding seriously, examining with a puckered brow, and saying, Wonderful! and most remarkable at intervals. When the chance for an observation was given him, at last, the rat succeeded in decoying him to the table, and it just got seriously to work with the sardine opener when sounds were heard from the forecourt without, sounds like the scuffling of small feet in the gravel, and a confused murmur of tiny voices, while broken sentences reached them. Now, all in a line, hold the lantern a bit, Tommy. Clear your throats first, no coughing after I say, one... Two, three, where's young Bill? Here, come on, do, we're all awaiting. What's up? inquired the rat, pausing in his labors. Oh, I think it must be the field mice, replied the mole, with a touch of pride in his manner. They go round carol singing regularly at this time of the year. They're quite an institution in these parts, and they never pass me over. They come to Mole End last of all. And I used to give them hot drinks and supper too sometimes when I could afford it. It will be like old times to hear them again. Let's have a look at them, cried Rat, jumping up and running for the door. It was a pretty sight and a seasonable one that met their eyes when they flung the door open. In the forecourt, lit by the dim rays of a horn lantern, some eight or ten little field mice stood in a semicircle, red worsted comforter around their throats, their forepaws thrust deep into their pockets, their feet jigging for warmth. With bright, beady eyes, they glanced shyly at each other, snickering a little, sniffing and applying coat sleeves a good deal. As the door opened, one of the elder ones that carried the lantern was just saying, Now then, one, two, three, and forthwith their shrill little voices uprose on the air, singing one of the old-time carols that their forefathers composed in fields that were fallow and held by frost, or when snowbound in chimney corners and handed down to be sung in the miry street to lamplit windows at Yuletide. Carol, villagers all, 
this frosty tide. Let your doors swing open wide, though wind might follow and snow beset. Yet draw us in by your fire to bide. Joy shall be yours in the morning. Here we stand in the cold and the sleet, blowing fingers and stamping feet. Come from far away, you to greet you by the fire and we in the street, bidding you joy in the morning. For ere one half of the night was gone, sudden the stars led us on, raining bliss and benison. Bliss tomorrow and more anon, joy for every morning. Good man, Joseph toiled through the snow, saw the star or a stable low. Mary, she might not further go, welcome thatch and litter below. Joy was hers in the morning. And then they heard the angels tell, who were the first to cry Noel. Animals all as it befell, in the stable where they did dwell. Joy shall be theirs in the morning. The voices ceased. The singers, bashful but smiling, exchanged sidelong glances, and silence succeeded, but for a moment only. Then, from up above and far away, down the tunnel they had so lately traveled, was borne to their ears in a faint musical hum, the sound of distant bells ringing a joyful and clangorous peal. Very well sung, boys, cried the rat heartily. And now come along in, all of you, and warm yourselves by the fire and have something hot. Yes, come along, field mice, cried them all eagerly. This is quite like old times. Shut the door after you. Pull up that settle to the fire. Now, you just wait a minute while we... Oh, ratty, he cried in despair, plumping down on a seat with tears impending. Whatever are we doing? We've nothing to give them. You leave all that to me, said the masterful rat. Here, you with the lantern, come over this way. I want to talk to you. Now, uh, tell me... Are there any shops open at this hour of the night? Why, certainly, sir, replied the field mouse respectfully. At this time of the year, our shops keep open to all sorts of hours. Then look here, said the rat. You go off at once, you and your lantern, and you get me. Here, much muttered conversation ensued, and the mole only heard bits of it, such as, Fresh mind, no, no, a pound of that will do. See you get bugginses, for I won't have any other. No, only the best. If you can't get it there, try somewhere else. Y yes, of course, homemade, no tin stuff. Uh, well then, do the best you Finally, there was a clink of coin passing from paw to paw. The field mouse was provided with an ample basket for his purchases, and off he hurried, he and his lantern. The rest of the field mice, perched in a row on the settle, their small legs swinging, gave themselves up to enjoyment of the fire, and toasted their chilblains till they tingled, while the mole, failing to draw them into easy conversation, plunged into family history and made each of them recite the names of his numerous brothers, who were too young. It appeared to be allowed to go out a-caroling this year, but looked forward very shortly to winning the parental consent. The rat, meanwhile, was busy examining the label on one of the beer bottles. 
I perceive this to be old burden, he remarked approvingly. Sensible mole, the very thing. Now we shall be able to mold some ale. Get the things ready, mole, while I draw the corks. It did not take long to prepare the brew and thrust the tie heater well into the red heart of the fire. And soon every field mouse was sipping and coughing and choking, for a little mulled ale goes a long way. And wiping his eyes and laughing and forgetting he had ever been cold in all his life. They act plays to these fellows, the mole explained to the rat. Make them up all by themselves and act them afterwards. And very well they do it too. They gave us a capital one last year about a field mouse who was captured at sea by a Barbary corsair and made to row in a galley. And when he escaped and got home again, his lady love had gone into a convent. Here, you you were in it, I remember. Uh, get up and recite a bit. The field mouse addressed got up on his legs, giggled shyly, looked round the room, and remained absolutely tongue-tied. His comrades cheered him on. Mole coaxed and encouraged him and the rat went so far as to take him by the shoulders and shake him, but nothing could overcome his stage fright. They were all busily engaged on him like watermen, applying the Royal Humane Society's regulations to a case of long submersion. When the latch clicked, the door opened, and the field mouse with the lantern reappeared, staggering under the weight of his baskets. There was no more talk of play-acting once the very real and solid contents of the basket had been tumbled out onto the table. Under the generalship of Rat, everybody was set to do something or to fetch something. In a very few minutes, supper was ready, and Mole, as he took the head of the table in a sort of dream, saw a lately barren board set thick with savory comforts, saw his little friends' faces brighten and beam, as they fell to without delay, and then let himself loose, for he was famished indeed, on the provender so magically provided, thinking what a happy homecoming this had turned out after all. As they ate, they talked of old times, and the field mice gave him the local gossip up to date, and answered as well as they could the hundred questions he had to ask them. The rat said little or nothing, only taking care that each guest what he wanted, and plenty of it, and that Mole had no trouble or anxiety about anything. They clattered off at last, very grateful, and showering wishes of the season, with their jacket pockets stuffed with remembrances for the small brothers and sisters at home. When the door had closed on the last of them, and the clink of the lanterns had died away, Mole and Rat kicked the fire up, drew their chairs in, brewed themselves a last nightcap of Maldale and discussed the events of the long day. At last, the rat, with a tremendous yawn, said, Mole, old chap, I'm ready to drop. Sleepy is simply not the word. That your own bunk over on that side? Very well, then I'll take this. What a ripping little house this is. Everything so handy. He clambered into his bunk and rolled himself well up into the blankets, and slumber gathered him forthwith as a swath of barley is folded into the arms of the reaping machine. 
The weary mole also was glad to turn in without delay, and soon had his head on his pillow, in great joy and contentment. But ere he closed his eyes, he let them wander round his old room, mellow in the glow of the firelight that played or rested on familiar and friendly things, which had long been unconsciously a part of him, and now smilingly received him back without rancor. He was now in just the frame of mind that the tactful rat had quietly worked to bring about to him. He saw clearly how plain and simple, how narrow even it all was, but clearly, too, how much it all meant to him. And the special value of some such anchorage in one's existence. He did not at all want to abandon the new life and its splendid space, to turn his back on sun and air and all they offered him and creep home and stay there. The upper world was all too strong. It called to him still even down there, and he knew he must return to the larger stage. But it was good to think that he had this to come back to, this place which was all his own, these things which were so glad to see him again, and could always be counted upon for the same simple welcome. We'll continue our story on our next episode. We are always on the hunt for great stories like these to feature on the show. You can send your suggestions to bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel full of stories from the show. Go to tiny.cc slash bedtime. If you found some value in our storytelling tonight, don't forget to show the love. There's a buy me a coffee link on every post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>